of God to be with you, my dear brother and sister in Christ. Let us come as one body of Christ to honour our Lord God. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Our Lord God is worthy to receive all glory and honour. Come, people of God, before we enter the holy place, let us spend a moment to prepare our heart, mind and soul. Come, let us reflect on our past week, asking the help of Holy Spirit to reveal to us our knowing and unknowing wrongdoing, which fall short of God's glory. Let us spend a moment to reflect and ask for God's forgiveness. People of God, let's be assured there is nothing can separate us from God's love that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. We praise His name. Now, I would like to encourage us to stand at where we are when we read our scripture sentence together. Let us proclaim together. Psalm 146 verse 2 and 5 I will praise the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. Blessed are those whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord their God. Please be seated. Let us recall to worship responsively. Come, you thankful people, come, let us rejoice and be glad. The Lord has brought us near, a people once far off. Come, you thankful people, come, let us rejoice and be glad. The Lord has reconciled us as one body through the cross. Come, you thankful people, come, let us rejoice and be glad. We have access to God in one spirit. We will rejoice and be glad. Amen. Let us pray. Father, we come to you with thankful heart. We rejoice as you have redeemed us and adopted us as your children. Co-heir with Christ Jesus. It is by your grace, through the blood of Jesus Christ, we have been set free from a bondage of sin. Now, we would like to bring our offering of praise to you. May you accept our adoration. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Mm -hmm. 
Jesus 
You're my king would die 
Indeed, in all that we do, we want to honour Him. And so we continue in this attitude of worship as we bring our prayers before the Lord. And the first thing we want to pray for is for world peace. Let's pray for those who have experienced the peace that Christ brings to be peacemakers among hostilities. May we pray. Lord, we bring this warring world before you, where people are in constant conflict at national, social and personal levels. We recognize that there will be no true peace without knowing you, the source of all peace. But Lord, may you help those who have experienced your peace to be peacemakers within their communities, that through their words and their conduct, they would point people to your gospel that brings peace. Lord, in your mercy, please hear our prayers. Secondly, we want to pray for Malaysia's political arena to be a place of integrity. Let's pray against the abandonment of values and principles in the practice of party hopping. Let's pray. Father, you ask us to pray for our governing authorities, even in the midst of our fallen world. And so, Lord, we bring to you our Malaysian politicians, and we ask, Lord, for greater integrity across the board. We pray especially against the practice of party hopping, where principles and values are abandoned for the sake of personal or lesser agendas. And at the same time, we pray against blind party loyalty. Lord, would you help our nation's leaders to be people of good and strong character. Lord, please have mercy and hear our prayers. Thirdly, we want to pray for our church, Penang Trinity, to be part of God's work in creating significant memories of His goodness in the lives of His congregation. Let's pray. Lord, we bring to you our church, Penang Trinity. We thank you for the many generations that have grown up within its sphere of influence. Thank you, Lord, for the many fond memories that have been created by your good works within its community. We pray that our congregation will continue to be your agents of healing, transformation, good works and love, that more good memories will be created of your glory and faithfulness through our willing obedience. In your mercy, Lord, please hear our prayers. And lastly, we want to pray for ourselves that we would remember how God has been working in our lives. Let's pray that we would live a life of gratitude in response. Let's pray. We ask for ourselves, Lord, that we would be reminded of your work in our lives. Guard us from a short-sighted forgetfulness that only focuses on our own problems and passions while we lose sight of your long legacy of goodness and faithfulness to us. We pray that even as we recall your goodness regularly at your table during Holy Communion, Help us to also intentionally remember your mighty works day by day. And as we remember, may we live out our lives as a thankful response in our attitudes, thoughts, and deeds. We pray all this in the name of Jesus who taught us to pray together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those 
who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Good morning and welcome to our online worship service this morning. We give thanks and praise to the Lord for His continued grace and faithfulness in our lives as we draw near to worship Him. If you're here for the first or second time, we welcome you with the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. We'd like to invite you to scan the QR code to connect with us through our online guest form. Let us now spend a few minutes to reflect on the Lord's presence in our lives over the past week. bring our offerings and gifts to the Lord. There are two e-payment options. On the left of the screen is the QR code that will bring you to the Touch and Go app to make your e-offering. Please use the Maybank account details on the right to make your pledges or for the Holy Communion offering for the poor and needy. Please do indicate in your financial transaction whether it is for pledges or for the poor and needy. As part of our efforts to prepare our community to live in the COVID endemic phase, a training on readiness for home quarantine was held for small group leaders on the 5th of November. We'd like to thank uh, Mrs. Angela Yoon for the training and for facilitating the questions and answers. We extend our deepest condolences to Brother William Ng, Janet and family, over the passing of William's beloved father, Mr. Ng Chow B, on the 6th of November. Please do keep all the family in your thoughts and prayers at this time of bereavement. We're also set to announce the passing of uh, Chiu Guat B on the 10th of November and extend our deepest condolences to Guat E and family over the passing of her beloved sister. Please also keep them in your thoughts and prayers in their bereavement. At this time, we celebrate with joy the marriage of Chunkai and Nicolin on the 6th of November. We join our hearts with their families to pray God's love and blessings to cover them as they start their married life together. Congratulations to Kim Guan, Kok Eng and Melvin over their joy as the Lord brings a new season of their family life together. Our church is part of TREC or the Trinity Annual Conference, which comprises of English-speaking Methodist churches in Peninsula Malaysia. 
we'll be having our fully online annual conference this Saturday, 20th of November. We will be represented by Reverend Shen and lay delegates comprising of portion, Daniel and myself. Reserve lay delegates will be Ehong, Siujin, and Jane. Please keep the conference in your prayers as decisions are made and reports are presented. We'll be having a combined prayer with all Methodist churches in Malaysia tonight at 8 p.m. Please join the prayer at the website given on screen to access this live event as we continue to pray over our beloved nation, Malaysia. Let us now join our hearts to glorify the Lord together through the doxology. Scripture reading for today is taken from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 to 22. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law, with his commands and his regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to his death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. Look on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his, his Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us go to God in prayer. 
Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. Amen. Now just looking at this picture brings back memories. It reminds me of my past. It brings back the memories of my old school days back in the 1960s. That's a long time ago. There are many of you from my generation and older, and I'm sure you remember those times as well. We all had autograph books. And I remember those little books, they came with colorful pages, all blank pages for us to write in. In our time, we had to write everything by hand. And this was long before Facebook, WhatsApp, and Twitter. As I look back now, I remember collecting autographs from all my classmates on that very last day of school. Some of us were even bold enough to approach our teachers to get them to write a line or two. And there were so many lines and so many poems, uh, but one of the most popular ones was this. Drink hot coffee, drink hot tea, burn your lips and remember me. Memory is a wonderful gift. To remember is to call to mind our past, to bring to mind people or things from our past, people or things who matter to us. And there are so many times this word remember appears in the Bible. In the NIV Bible, it is mentioned 130 times in the Old Testament and 36 times in the New Testament. In our passage from the book of Ephesians, we find the word here in two places, one after the other. First in verse 11, and then it's repeated in verse 12. And when Paul repeats a word, you know it's significant. It's significant not because it's repeated, it is a strong word. The word remember in Greek is a command. And Paul here is writing his letter to the Christians, both Jew and Gentile Christians in the church at Ephesus. He is not just casually asking them, is commanding them to remember their past, and there's good reason for that. I think God knows. God knows we are a forgetful people. We forget so many things easily. It's so easy to forget God when we are busy and when we are caught up with 1,001 things busy with our work, our family, and our friends, that often we have no time for God. 
God had to remind the Israelites time and time again. And we find this in the book of Isaiah 46 verse 9. And this is God speaking through the prophet. Remember the former times, those of long ago. I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. Remember the former things, what we were, what we have become, and finally, what we are altogether. Let's begin in verse 11. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. Now I want you to imagine a little to travel down the time tunnel with me. Go back in time to that ancient world. Imagine you were one of the Gentiles living in that predominantly Jewish culture back then in Ephesus. The world was divided up between Jew and Gentile then. Everywhere you went, you were separated from the Jews. It was well known, everyone knew. The Gentiles were alienated from God and the Jews. You would recognize the Jews from a mile away. They were dressed in flowing white robes and they had an air of superiority about them. They had big ego. They paraded themselves openly in public and they boasted they were Jews by birth. Every Jew was proud he was born a Jew. A pious Jewish man in that day gave thanks every day that he had not been born a slave or a woman or a Gentile. Now the Jews saw themselves as superior. They felt they were the only people entitled to the special benefits as the chosen ones of God. They believed in the Abrahamic covenant that promise God gave to Abraham in Genesis 12, and that was exclusively for them. And God said to Abraham, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. God gave them a sign. Every male Jew had to be circumcised. But it was just meant to be an outward sign. But the Jews made it a big deal. They gave themselves the title the circumcision. 
That was not part of God's plan. God had wanted them to be a blessing to everyone, to embrace the Gentiles, to love them. But they chose instead to brag about themselves and to take all the glory from, from God. Now everywhere you went, the Jews would put you down. They had a way of making you feel inferior, making you feel so small and worthless and unwanted. You were openly insulted and called names. They were the circumcision. You were nobody. You were called uncircumcised, an outcast, an alien and a foreigner and you were without hope and without God in the world. Now Paul isn't just talking about the problem of the hostility between the Jew and Gentile in Ephesus back in the first century. Two thousand years later, if we look closely enough at ourselves, we too are really no different. Paul is speaking about every human being, every man and woman. He's speaking about the age-old problem, the problem of sin and the fall of man since Adam in Genesis 3. And Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned, and fall short of the glory of God. The emphasis is all have sinned. No one is exempt. We just can't ignore the problem of sin, pretending it doesn't exist. It's not something we can just wish away. We have to confront it. We have to face the ugly truth about ourselves. You see, What's true of the Jew and Gentile is also true of us. But sadly, not many people care about truth anymore in our day. The Bible puts it this way, The heart is deceitful above all things. But if we honestly examine our hearts, we will also find we have that sinful nature in us to take sides, to divide and draw lines, and to begin to see ourselves as superior and others as inferior. Remember the former times. Remember what you were. But also remember this. Remember what you have become. Verse 13, But now, this is one of the great contrasts we find in Scripture. Remember, you were without hope and without God. You were far away, but now you are in Christ, and you are brought near through the blood of Christ. In 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17, Paul declares, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. We have become new in Christ. 
When you became a Christian, you are made new. You have a brand new identity. You were far away, but now you are brought near through the blood of Christ, that precious blood Jesus shed on the cross for you and me. Think for it. Think about it for a moment. And can it be that I should gain an interest in the Savior's blood? Amazing love, how can it be that thou, my God, should die for me? You know, we may have heard this repeated so many times and told in so many different ways. Jesus died for our sins and rose from the dead. That maybe, maybe some of us have become over-familiar and we tend to take Christ for granted. What I mean is, it is so easy to listen to a message like this and go away thinking that it was a walk in the park for Jesus. No, friends, it wasn't a walk in the park. Going to the cross was sheer agony for Christ. It's true, Jesus is God, but Jesus was also fully human. Luke, the physician, tells us, the night before Jesus Christ was crucified, he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. Luke 22:44. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. You and I know what pain and suffering is like, but I'm very sure we haven't been in such anguish until we have to sweat blood. I know I have to remind myself, and I say to myself often, I never want to take Christ for granted. All of us owe a great debt to Christ. All of us owe him our life. Like the caption that says, Jesus paid a debt he didn't owe, because we owe a debt we couldn't pay. But Christ not only laid down his life for us, he brought us peace. Verse 14, For he himself is our peace, who has made the two one, and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. Every time we turn on our phone, we are greeted by unwelcome news. News not of peace but news of hostility and strife and conflict and violence happening all around our world. We are beset by so many problems. I don't know about you. Every night I dream of a world set right. I think of our country. I dream of a better country. And I dream of a world without division, 
without racism and discrimination. We all dream of a world of peace. And here, Paul presents to us the gospel of peace. If you have not already noticed, the word peace is mentioned four times in verses 14 to 17. Verse 14, Christ himself is our peace. There you have it. God's answer for a world of peace. In verse 17, he came to preach peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. Christ has commissioned us to go into the world to preach the gospel of peace because the only hope that there will be peace across all divisions in our world is for the peace of Christ to reach every corner of the world. We need to pray. You and I need to pray earnestly that everyone will know for themselves and be able to say for himself, Christ is my peace. He is my peace who has broken down every wall and then go out to be a peacemaker for him. God has sent his son Jesus Christ to reconcile the world to himself and he has set us right with God and with each other. This is the message of reconciliation God has given to us to share with the world. Jesus made peace between the two to create one new humanity. And before this, there was Jew and Gentile. Now, through Christ, we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. So you are no longer what you were, verse 19. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but you have become fellow citizens of God's people and members of God's household. And everyone who has come to know Christ and has placed their faith in Him, we are all together now. We are the one new humanity. We are fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's family. The old has gone, the new has come, and Christ has given us a new heart and a new nature. Those of us in the church, we don't go by our race or age or our social standing. We are all Christians. We are one in Christ. And we share a common bond in this family as brothers and sisters in Christ. God has a purpose for his family. As members of this family, we have a role. Each of us has a role. We are called of God and we are part of God's bigger scheme of things as he continues to build his church family. Verse 20, we are built on the foundation of apostles and prophets. It was these people who first brought the gospel to us. They were the pioneers, 
the trailblazers, if you like. They open up the path for us so we can continue the good work of sharing the gospel, preaching and teaching the word to those who come after us. We stand on their shoulders and on the shoulders of those who have gone before us. And with Christ as the chief cornerstone who holds the whole building together. That's not all, brothers and sisters. You and I have to be joined together to be fitted together. We may not fit so well. We come in all shapes and sizes and God has to mold us and reshape us. And he does all that to fashion us to be that new humanity. Finally, we are that new temple, the dwelling in which God lives, not made of bricks or stones, but a living community of believers. I don't know about you, but to think that God dwells in us blows my mind away. The psalmist asks, What is man that you are mindful of him? The word dwell is not simply stay for a while and leave, like you go for a short vacation. It's to move in and stay forever. When we moved to Penang several years ago, we packed everything, truckloads of stuff, and we moved into our new home for good. That God has moved in and lives in us is not just an incredible thought. It's a wonderful truth. And let me conclude. Paul has given us a fresh new perspective to look at our lives. And as you look back on your life, you will be grateful for all that Christ has done for you on the cross. When you were without hope, when you were at the end of the rope, Christ reached out to you and saved you. He died for your sins. He shed his blood. He broke down walls. He made peace. He reconciled you and me. And he made us new. I like to leave with you a quote from an American pastor, Samuel Lewis Johnson. It is never bad for us to take a look back at what we were and what we have become by virtue of the saving work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Never bad to shed a tear or two for the salvation that had come to us. John Newton, who is known for many things, was known also for the fact that he had on his desk a text from the book of Deuteronomy, and it stayed on his desk after he had become a minister of the Lord Jesus Christ. Deuteronomy 15, 15. Remember that you were a born man in the land of Egypt, and the Lord, thy God, redeem thee. Let's pray. 
Our Heavenly Father, we are grateful this morning for the reminder, the remembrance of what we were, of our own nature, and how when we were dead in our sins, you saved us and gave us new life. Through Christ, we have salvation, forgiveness, and hope. May we never forget the ultimate sacrifice of Christ on the cross for us, and for that we are eternally grateful. Help us, Lord, to respond by faith, to join you in all that you are doing to build your church and to advance the gospel. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, for your self-reflection and discussion in your small groups, here are three questions. Number one, what do you remember of what you were without hope and without God? How does remembering help you to be grateful for what Christ has done for you? Two, Christ is our peace and made peace between us and God. In what way can you be a peacemaker in the church and in the community around you? And three, we are called of God and are drawn into his creation of one new humanity. In what ways can you respond to what God is doing? 